your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Good morning. You are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And you can listen to us live every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 o'clock Pacific Time. Uh, I also have a new show, and some of you have, listened, have been listening to that as well, The Social Workers, which is on a little bit earlier in the morning, Thursday mornings. You can listen to that live here in Albany, New York, 90.9 AFM. And that's at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Actually, I was going to have somebody on the show uh, who decided he couldn't be on the show because it was too early in the morning on Thursday mornings. But uh, my next guest has been on my early morning show, and now we're having him back here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, Dr. Mark Banschik, uh author of The Intelligent Divorce. I'm always interested in divorce because I was divorced 20 years ago, and too bad I didn't know Dr. Banschik then because I don't know how intelligent my divorce was. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> He's a respected psychiatrist, a children's advocate, and, as I said, the author of the Intelligent Divorce book series and creator of the online family stabilization course. He has all kinds of credentials. You've seen him on the CBS Early Show, and I guess he had to get up early to do that show, the Ricky Lake Show, and uh, writes for the New York Times and the Huffington Post. Welcome to the show, Dr. Banstick. Nice to have you on again. Oh, you know, Catherine, we had such a good time last time we spoke. We really did. We did have a good time. And one of my listeners called in afterwards and said, you know, that was really good. I really enjoyed Dr. Banschett. Because, <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. You talk about divorce. You are an expert psychiatrist. You have all the information. Yeah, but yeah. you put all of this really kind of like complex information into very simple terms so that... Yeah, I did. I did. You know, it's funny. You know, I, I have a sense of humor, by the way. And yeah, so, I know you uh, do. And even though we talk about divorce, and it is a, in some ways a dark topic, um... Uh, I, I speak about it also with humor um, because we, you know, we have to get through things and get to the other side. And if we let all the pain of our lives, you know, sit on us and just stay with us, there's no future. We're just living the past. You know, there's a very famous American playwright, Eugene O'Neill, and he wrote a play, Long Day's Journey into Night, and it's about an alcoholic uh, Irish family. It's a very telling play uh, about, uh, you know, a family in a lot of trouble. And one of the characters says, it's one of the most famous lines in uh, all of American uh, literature. He, uh, she says, the past is the present, it's the future too. And, and that, that, that sends chills down my spine, because when I look at the children of divorce, and I look at people going through divorce, or speak to Catherine Zox, who's been through divorce herself, and the two 
million people every year in the United States, not, not to mention worldwide, going through divorce. Yeah, I was, you know, I decided happen. this morning I was going to find out what are the statistics. So, of course, I went to Wikipedia. Let me Wikipedia says this was from 2008. 40% of marriages end in divorce, and 49%, because I think this is also what you're talking about, marriages involve remarriages. Yeah, it's a big remarriage problem. Yeah. But the point I want to make is, is it's very deep. And it's, you know, radio, one of the nice things about radio that you don't have in television is that you can develop something and, and really get to people's souls. Television is so fast and, you know, and a little more superficial. This, you know, the past does not have to be the future. It does not. You know, if you were hurt by your husband, it does not mean that you have to sit with that hurt for the next for the rest of your life. If your children experience divorce, it does not mean that they must experience depression or have difficulty in relationships down the road. The truth is that everyone going through divorce is at risk, but the greater truth is that if you do something about it, you can skip by that risk, mourn the experience, get to the other side, and live a normal life. Now, so, so, you know, Why do you think, you know, that's really, because, well, any crisis that we go through, and as you know, I'm a social worker, whether it's death or loss of a job or divorce, is always a crisis that, you know, you have the opportunity to move forward. But you know what, doctor, there's something about divorce that also there's an attitude like it's, or it has been in the past. It's your fault. You could have prevented it. It's not something that just happened to you. And there's shame and guilt associated with it. And I think that gets mixed up in this. Oh, man, you're so right. And this is why I'm writing these books. I mean, this is why I'm doing Look, I'll tell you my story. You know, I'm a child psychiatrist, so my emphasis is children. I I love kids. And, you know, even (laughs) you're going to find this strange. Even when I see adults, I see the child in them. I just do. I see the twinkle in their eye. I see see the mischievous underneath. I, I see the adult acting like an adult but would like to be playful. You know, I see all that in everyone. And I don't want children to suffer. And, and so people going through divorce do have troubles. The kids get hurt, and then something needs to be done. So I was an expert witness in court. I worked with judges. Um, I, you're familiar with the, the, the custody, you know, the court, how these things work? I am, to some extent. I mean, I, when I got divorced, I did not go through any custody okay. battles, or, but... Okay. I did do a field placement and uh, was uh, had to testify in family court. It was the worst thing I ever had to do okay. as a so, social okay. worker. I want you to identify with it being the worst thing you ever did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Imagine I'm a child psychiatrist. I'm an even-tempered doctor. Okay. I'm not pro mother. I'm not pro father. I'm pro child. Beginning and end. That's it. The judges appreciated what I had to say. They're lawyers. Judges are lawyers. They're not. They're not, you know, you know, priests. They're not godly. They're not. They don't have any great wisdom. They're lawyers, and so the, the, you know, the way our system is constructed is that when families start falling apart, the legal system has to deal with it. The legal system, Catherine, is among the worst systems to deal with a social problem. You know, it's it's adversarial, and so judges feel overwhelmed. They hear stories from both sides. You know, he's abusive, she's a terrible mother, and, you know, what do you believe? So they turn to people like me, a child psychiatrist. So I sit with the parents, I sit with the kids, I gather the data, and I give an opinion. Is this a fun job? No. No. (laughs) It's a terrible job. 
And so after doing this for a while, and the judges keep asking me to come back, you know, I said, this is crazy. We must do divorce better. You know, we're, we're, try- we're, you know, we're just creating more and more conflict that the kids have to then deal with in the future. So I started to write a course teaching people how to get divorced. Now, think about this, Catherine. Yes. And if you are, let's say, I'm sure you're a good driver. Are you a good driver? I think I'm a good driver, but you'd have to ask the rest of the people in my family whether they think I'm a good driver or not. Yes, I am a good driver. Okay, fine. Okay, so maybe you didn't experience this, but certainly people in your you know, listening audience have, okay? Or maybe your daughter or son has, I don't know. You, know. you know, you get a couple of speeding tickets, and what does the state of New York or California or Kentucky ask you to do? Well, I think once you get those speeding tickets, you have to get points, and you get so many points, and then if you have too many speeding tickets, they take your license away. Right, but before they take your license away, they tell you to take a driving course, right? Right. They tell you to take a driving course. What what, what is the driving? They reteach you how to drive, and they teach you how to drive under bad circumstances. So if it's snowing out or it's, you know, there's lots of wind, how do you handle that? If somebody's irresponsible and not, is not handling, handling their own driving well, you learn to keep the car like two, two you know, car lanes distances behind so that you're safe even if the other guy's a jerk, right? All right. I think the same thing has to happen in divorce. Everyone going through divorce needs to take a parenting course. And so I wrote one. I wrote a parenting course teaching people how to make the right decisions as they parent. And I'll give you a nice example, okay? You're a guy, and, you know, your wife has left you, and you're feeling very anxious about money. Um, okay. You know, you are at work, and, you're, and your boss is upset with you that day. So you're driving home, and what are you feeling, Catherine? You're not feeling good. <laughs> you're not feeling. You're feeling like, oh my God, what's going to happen to my job? Yeah. I don't have enough money. And what are you feeling about your ex-wife? You're feeling angry. Angry, and it's, it's like oh. angry, and it's not right. I mean, you worked all these years to make the money, and now she gets some. Let's say she was a stay-at-home mom, and you're having to give her maintenance because she has to get back on her feet, right? Okay. okay. So you walk into the house. You're irritable. You're tired. You're angry. You're frustrated, and you're scared. And your 11-year-old daughter is on the couch, you know, just finished her homework, you know, you know, the sitter had left, whatever. She's watching TV, and you sit down next to her. And you open your mouth, and you say, I can't believe what mommy's did to, done to us. You know, we're going to have no money. I'm not going to be able to buy you anything. And she says to you, but daddy, I really want blah, blah, blah. We can't get it, and it's your mother's fault. Does he remember that conversation the next day? He doesn't. He's just like something stupid he said. Does she remember that conversation the next day? You tell me. The daughter will always remember that conversation. Excuse me? The daughter will remember the conversation. Why? Yeah, and the daughter will feel it. I mean, she may not be... I mean, that whole experience of, of her father denigrating her mother, she will remember... Now, even, is if he entitled? even if she can't verbalize it, that feeling she carries with her. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, and, and this this is this is the work of therapy down the road that, that for her to undo this and detoxify this, right? 
But this is, you know, this is, I mean, this is the perfect example because this is exactly what parents end up doing and why, I guess I want to step back because why do they do that? I mean, you've cognitively, they know this is not a good thing to do. I mean, you know, putting down one parent in front of the other. But I don't know too many parent people or couples, once they end up in a divorce situation, who don't end up doing this. And exactly. Yeah. And like, exactly. And as you're saying, you have the script for not doing it. I do, I do, I do. And and th- what happens here is um, what's called regression. So let's 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 go back into his so- into his mind and to her mind, and then pull back and see what could be done better. And now you understand why I'm not interested in the courts. I'm interested in teaching people at the beginning of the divorce how to handle things better, so they don't make these mistakes. In his head, he's entitled to be upset. I mean, he, he he's under a lot of pressure. I, I'm not picking on men. I mean, this could be a woman, believe me. And, it could be and, either one. But he's and, also, he's in his own house. He feels comfortable. He doesn't know where else to go. Right. Uh, and, the audience, and, and the audience is right there. And his audience is right there. And right. he thinks he's good. Exactly. His audience is there. And, you know, men and women both do it. But men, because I don't think they have the same kinds of outlets as women do, uh, I don't know if they tend to do it more. That's probably not true. But they don't wouldn't call up their their mother or their girlfriend, or hopefully not their girlfriend, or their boyfriend or whoever, and and vent like women. I think would be more apt to do. Yeah, I, I, that's a whole other discussion, yeah, and I think is. we should. I think we should um, table that until later to this in this in this interview yeah. about how men and women handle divorce differently. differently. I, I think both a mother or a father could dump on a kid equally. Um, maybe a father would be more likely to um, take a drink um, to calm down. And a mother would be, to, you know, and, and, and avoid kind of the, the conflict. And a, 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 a mother would be more likely to call her sister. Yeah. Um, but, but that being said, dumping on the kid comes about because he's legitimately upset. He, he's an adult, and he's scared, and he's overwhelmed. And, and, and the audience is right there. And he gets, he, he, he both wants, he, he gets gratification in, 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 in making her feel bad because she, he wants her to feel as badly as he does about, about, about his ex-wife. And, and that's, a, that's a malignant motivation, but it's a common motivation. I want you to be as angry with mommy as I am, okay? I want you to identify with what a victim I am. This is the kind of thing that can't happen because the kid is burdened. They have to choose, and they're driven crazy by this. You know, oh, Daddy, I'm so sorry you're upset. Or, Daddy, how can you talk about Mommy this way? Either, well, either way she goes with this is a lose-lose for her. Okay? So, so I teach in the Intelligent Divorce. Now I'll discuss the books. Yeah. I've written and there three... are two books, one on the way? Yes, yes, yes. So it's a three-book series, Catherine. Um, and it's a, it's a three-book series called The Intelligent Divorce. It's not called The Happy Divorce. It's not called the spiritual <laughs> divorce. It's not called the, you know, goody two-shoes, let's love each yeah. other forever divorce. You know, it's even not called the hateful divorce. It's called the intelligent divorce. You know, let's just use our heads here because our hearts often make the wrong decisions. That's what it is. In the middle of divorce, people often make the wrong decisions with their feelings. Their heads need to run the show. So the first book is called The Intelligent Divorce, Taking Care of Your Kids. You can, you can pick it up on Amazon. You can pick it up you know, on, on, on iTunes. Um, you can pick it up in a lot of places. 
It's the intelligent force taking care of your children. Um, I go over everything about child development, um, how kids grow up, what's required at different ages, um, how can you tell if something's gone wrong, what are the basic rules of parenting. I even include, like, this is great. I really think this is great. I include uh, charting so that you can bring, you can, you can chart how your kid is doing and bring it to your pediatrician so that your pediatrician has an opportunity to monitor with you how your kids do over time. Well, let me ask you this. Pediatricians, you know, you mentioned that judges really aren't good people, necessarily uh, well-versed in, in child development. And, they're, you know, it's a legal system. It's not, they're not therapists. But my experience has been that pediatricians also are, you know, they're not psychiatrists, they're not counselors, they're not social workers, and they too sometimes are, don't have the right don't have the information or the ability to do counseling. I mean, they're strictly, you know, medical and physical and not necessarily good when it comes to divorce. Good point. Uh-huh. Pediatricians are, are like emergency room doctors in divorce, and they have to identify if there's an issue and make sure the kid gets to the right place. Yeah, they they're have to make the right referral. They're not, not going to provide therapy. But, but if your kid is losing weight, you know, if your kid is, like, you know, not sleeping well, if your kid is become, has become more irritable, if your kid is complaining of stomach aches and headaches all the time and that's come about new, if your kid, like, is 11 years old and start wetting in his bed again, I mean, these are physical signs that can be identified. But a good pediatrician might say to the mother or father, I think stress is getting to your to Johnny. Let's get a good therapist to evaluate the situation. That's why pediatricians go. Anyway, the first book is The Intelligent Divorce, Taking Care of Your Children. Now, I think many of the people buying these books are grandparents buying it for their daughters and sons who are getting divorced. So I don't think that the audience out there should simply be um, your, you know, your people going through divorce. It's also the best friends of those people going through the divorce. It is, it is the parents, it's the grandparents, it's, it's, it's a coworker. You know, people going through divorce are so often overwhelmed. The last thing they're doing is going to Amazon to buy a book. Yes. So if you love somebody, you might want to get this book. Now, the second book is The Intelligent Divorce Taking Care of Yourself So Your Kids Don't Have to Take Care of You. Okay. Now, th- that brings back the scene we have with the father and the daughter, right? Right. Okay, so, so you know what this is about, Catherine? You know, I mean, I'm sure you live a great life, but you know, I, I, you know what it's like to be triggered by somebody, right? I, yes, I do. Okay, fine. So, you I know, think people, we all do, right? Right. Every, everyone, I just have I, to ask you, doctor, have you been through a divorce? No, I haven't. I haven't. Thank okay. God, you know, knock wood, I'm okay with my marriage. I've been married for 25 years. But I live in divorce every day. <laughs> <laughs> Vicariously. Yeah, I do. I really want to make a difference. I, you I do just make do. A no, your books are fantastic, and and also your presentations. But and you do, and you are making a difference. But yeah. I just wanted so, to clarify so, that. You, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I I oftentimes feel like I'm an anthropologist, kind of like going into a like a, a foreign country or a different planet, and like where people behave differently than they normally do. But we, can, we, you know, I would like to discuss that in a moment. Let me just finish the books. I think I think it's interesting to the audience, and I really, I, I really can't emphasize enough that people going through divorce themselves may not buy a book for themselves. But I think, 
I think someone who loves them would. And I think my but book... You know, I, I, if I had had your books, I would have bought them because, people, you know, divorce can be a long and ongoing thing. My, my particular case, it was kind of average two years. Yeah. And there was a separation and, and nothing in court or anything like that. Good, I'm glad to but hear that. But I was looking for books. And, you know, there was only one book, and I can't remember the title. Wallerstein's probably. It, it, was, it was called Crazy Time or Crazy Something or Other. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was, it was pretty good. But if I... I did look for books, and yours, I, I would have bought your book. I'm, so, glad, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, yeah. So the second book is about getting triggered, and, you know, uh, it, it, it covers a bunch of things. It covers grief um, because, uh, you know, when you go through a divorce, there is a death, and it's a death of a hoped-for marriage that everything would be great, and you'd have children and a, a lover, and, and it would go on and have happily ever after. That death is hard, and, um, and, and grieving is something you can't do alone. And this gets back to the point about men and women. Men and women grieve differently in divorce. There was a study by a, uh, a psychologist uh, from a, a university in Israel. I don't remember the name of the guy, uh, but if you're interested, I can get you the, the data. Uh, that men and women do grieve differently, and you're correct. Women uh, tend to uh, reach out to their sisters, their mothers, their best friends. Men tend to have trouble reaching out. And so grieving is tougher for them. It's probably a heavier problem for men of not taking care of themselves physically um, and of resorting to addictions, you know, to, you know, make themselves feel better in the short run. Um, but um, I, when you grieve, um, and I really make this point in the book, you, you cannot grieve alone. And, you know, um, Catherine, you know, I, I lost my father, um, and I loved him, I can't tell you how much, um, eight years ago. And... I think about him every day. Um, but the point is, when, when my dad passed, I had a whole community of people that cared about me. And, you know, my wife, uh, my best friends, you know, my, my, my rabbi, my, uh, you know, everybody. Just You had a whole support system. A whole support system. But then, Dr., going back to the point I made earlier, it kind of, I think it fits in here. You know, your dad died. It wasn't your fault. You know, it was, it's something that people empathize with you, and they also have experienced, most people in some time in their life are going to experience that, obviously. And it's different when it comes, I get back to this whole thing about divorce as either you blame yourself because you feel like you maybe sh- you should have done better, there was something right. you can do. Right, the so shame. there's a lot of shame and blame and guilt that you don't right. have necessarily when right. say, your dad dies or your mother dies. And social isolation. I mean, there's no, yeah. you, know, you know, the point is that you're grieving, but there's nobody there to hold you. And more than that, you know, you're worried that you're pariah. You're worried that people aren't going to deal with you properly. And, and sometimes it happens. Like, oh, you know, I write in my books, like, don't expect, like, you really be surprised what happens with friends. Like, some friends don't come through at all, and some people that you completely, like, don't expect to be there are there. I mean, and maybe because people get divorced, all of a sudden, their friendships change. Like, there are some couples that you were really close to, and they never invite you again. Well, what about the couples feel who, that they have to take sides, and there's that? The couple who you take sides with the husband or take sides with the wife, and they've been friends, you know, as a couple for twenty years, and all of a sudden, you know, one of the spouses or the right. So imagine, left out. imagine, so imagine that you're really close to, you know, you know, Joni, and you know, and 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 you break up with your husband. You know, it wasn't working out, and you think you just want better, and Joni is just feels that your husband's been wronged, and she cuts you off. I mean, Joni was one of your best friends. You're, not only are you going through a divorce, but she's judging you, 
and you don't have the support from her. What about if Joni is the one your husband's been having the affair with and he ends up marrying? <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you a few of those cases also. Then what do you do? There's so many cases uh, where people, you know, fall in love with the person that they know very well. Obviously, that's common because... You're not going to fall in love with somebody you don't know. So right, it's going to be somebody, right. either your husband's best friend or, girl, or your, somebody at work. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or now that we have Facebook, uh, you know, your high school sweetheart uh-huh. that you've discovered after 20 years. It's, it's really complicated. Um, and, it, you know... Um, when it comes to managing this, you still have to protect the children. I, I agree with you. I, I find this so interesting because it's, it's so layered. There's so many different stories. But the kids do come first. So if you end up leaving your, ex, your, your husband or he leaves you with your best friend, you're going to be unbelievably hurt and unbelievably angry and abandoned. You're going to have to get a lot of support from friends, your parents, you know, maybe a therapist. Maybe if you're really overwhelmed, you need some medicine. But you've got to get, like, your act together because this gets back to, the, to driving under hard circumstances. Like, you're now parenting under really hard circumstances, right? right. <laughs> you know, your, kids, your kids are also going through some grief, right, aren't they? Yeah. You have three kids. What are they going through? And so in a way, you don't have... I mean, I mean, you are entitled to your grief, and you and you must get the help, but you have to really step up and be there as a parent, and 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 you are so you're so, you know, motivated to let them know what a creep their father is, but let's say that he's able to keep this relationship private, that they do it in an extremely discreet way. Well, does your seven-year-old really need to know? I, I just published, uh, you don't know this, Catherine, but I'm now doing a regular blog on Psychology Today. Oh, Psychology Today. So we go to psychologytoday.com. Yes, and you, you type in Banchik, and you'll get my, my blog that came out yesterday, Terrific. which is called How Much Truth is Too Much Truth. <laughs> All right, answer that one. How much truth? I'm I'm one for telling the truth. I mean, uh-huh. I happen to be go on the side of like uh-huh. kids well, I'm not. Know, someone else is going to tell them anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally about that. But you know, we can we right. can disagree because I've seen. So, I, I I think that look, if you really believe that it's going to get your kids from another source, you have to let them know first. Period. Period. Um, that, that's, that's the truth. You have to let them know first, because if you really think it's coming, I would really go to a therapist if possible, because you want to make sure that whatever you say, you're not trying to score points with your kids against your ex. I'm going to give you an example of that. And this happened many, many years ago because it happened to my, my friend whose father was having an affair with his secretary. Okay. So one of the kids at school approached her and said, Hey, you know, your father is dating my aunt. <laughs> now, how would that kid know that, dad, that daddy is dating the aunt? Because, because he's doing in it his out family, the or, you know, he, fi- he found right. out, this kid knew about it. Right. Okay, so he was the one who told my girlfriend that her father was, uh, was having an affair. And that is a disaster, uh-huh. and, and it is um, a betrayal of the highest level. On the other hand, if you know someone's having an affair, I'm just bringing it up. And I, people disagree with me on this, which is fine. Uh, if, if, if you know someone's having an affair and they're doing it discreetly and um, the marriage is now over, 
um, and that other person is not inviting this girl into the house. He's only seeing her on the weekends or the times when he's not with the kids. I mean, he's, it's very discreet, and there are people that do this. Um, does your 7-year-old need to know? And if she needs to know, how much does she need to know? So, you know, I think there's a time and place to tell your children. I think it'd be great for you to tell your 7-year-old when it's a serious relationship so the child knows that there's a stable situation coming their way. Um, it really depends on the, on, on the family involved. Yeah, I think it's such a. Com- I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's such a complicated issue, especially today, because there's so much. You know, these kids have access to a lot of information. I mean, you know, especially with social media, more information than we ever had. And I think sometimes, and so you really, it's different than it was even that's, ten that's years people, ago. That's why people need to read my books because, you know, you have to be careful about your BlackBerry. You have to be careful about your smartphone. You have to be careful about your computer. These kids are snoops, and they're and I love them. Don't get yeah. me wrong, okay? <laughs> but they're snoops, and they're going to look, and they're going to figure out, and they're going to find you having a conversation with your girlfriend on, by email about what a jack, you know what, you know, you know their dad is, and. You may not want them to know that, or you know, you may be you may be a daddy, or, or you know, looking at porn, and kind of leaving the thing on, and then your you know fourteen year old girl sees it, um, and and what's the consequence of that? So I really, really want to educate people about the risks because I feel that with a knowledge of what's going on, you can really handle this well and protect your kids. I do think that kids are often told too much, particularly young kids, that they simply can't handle. You know, give us an example of that. What would be too much? And, what, at what, and, of course, it's different. I also want you to address, like, it's different, at, it, obviously, at different ages, a 7-year-old, right. a 17-year-old, or a 27-year-old. I mean, there's right. a huge difference. Right. So uh, let's, let's, oh, this is an interesting Right. Topic. Well, let's say, let's, say, let's say you haven't had sex with your, um, with your husband for the last 10 years. Okay, that's a, that happens. That happens prior to a divorce, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're upset about it. You're upset about it. He was withholding from you. You know, he is an angry guy, you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Uh, or vice versa, she was withholding. Whatever it is. Does a seven-year-old need to know that? Does it? We're going a seven-year-old right needs now. to know that. I want our audience to think about, should, do we tell the seven-year-old that you haven't been having sex with your spouse for 10 years? Um, perfect time to take a break. <laughs> Dr. Mark Banchek, The Intelligent Divorce. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
commodities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to Voice America Variety.com, World Talk Radio. You can listen to us every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Time and 9 o'clock Pacific Time. You can also listen to my show on Thursdays, which is 9 o'clock Eastern Time, The Social Workers in Albany, New York, 90.9 FM. Uh, my guest this morning, if you're just joining us, well, if you're just joining us, too bad. You've missed a great show, Dr. Mark Banschick, and he is the uh, uh, author of The Intelligent Divorce. He's got three books. He has two books, but one's coming up, Taking Care of Your Children in the Intelligent Divorce, Taking Care of Yourself so Your Kids Don't Have to Take Care of You. And then he has another book, which will be out in 2012, Dealing with Your uh, Ex-Spouse. And he also has his own radio show, and you can listen to him on Divorce Source Radio. Uh, and a, a new blog, which I just learned about on the show today. Uh, it's a blo- he's blogging for uh, Psychology Today, so go to psychologytoday.com, Dr. Mark Banschick, and you can hear what he has to say on a daily basis. But before we took the break, Dr. Banschick and I were discussing um how much do you tell your children when it comes to the divorce and be careful how you say it and what you say because if you're really nasty and you're trying to turn your child against your partner it has really very negative repercussions for for your child you might forget about what you said the next day but your kid isn't going to forget about it but we were kind of going back and forth how much do you tell a seven-year-old about your divorce your husband's having an affair with your best friend what do you say do you say anything um, or how do you say it, and, or is he or she going to get the information from somebody else? See, I kind of agree, I disagreed, I think, maybe with you, doctor, that I think that maybe kids, I think they're a lot more savvy today. There's a lot more information out there. They find out this stuff before, you know, you, you wouldn't expect, maybe not a 7-year-old, but even a 10-year-old has access to a lot of information that perhaps they shouldn't, but they do. Well, I think I think this is where, you know, being in therapy is very helpful because 
it's, it's, it's a balance. Um, if you really believe your kid is going to find information out about an affair or about something else um, from an independent source, they need, they need to know beforehand from you. Um, and it's best to be in therapy because you want to make sure that you're not using that excuse to tell the truth about your ex because you you really want to poison their relationship with your ex. You know, to remember, if, you, if you're heavy-handed in um, denigrating your ex when the kid's 7 or 10 or 12 or 14 or 15, let me, let me, let me put out a warning out there. Because, you, know, you know, I'm not a young person at this point. I've worked, with, I've worked for many years with people. You tell your kids really negative things about their dad or their mom that are very weighted on your side, and then they're turned off to that person, they turn 20 or 30, and they turn back to you and they say very often, why'd you do that? It was, it may, it, you know, it, it was maybe, that, that may have been good for you, but, you know, he left you, he didn't leave me, and you made me so angry with him that I lost my child with my father. And now let's say he's no longer around, he's gone, and he passed away. And so, you know, what'd you do to me? And these precious years of childhood are dear and we need to protect their innocence as much as possible to give them the best outcome we can. So when you think about telling the truth, quote-unquote, and everyone's truth is different, be careful that you're not doing it just to knock the other parent and to act like a victim yourself. Now, And uh, I, I'll add a piece to that. I think you also please. have to, as much as a parent can, understand each one of your children. I mean, you know, I have three children. I have three boys. And each one of them... I could say the same thing to them, but they, as you say, everybody's truth is different. How they interpreted what I said to them had a lot to do with who they were, not just age, but personality, their whole emotional, um, uh, uh, how they were, yeah, at the time. Um, their emotional responses, and so that—that's a whole. I'll give you another. I'll give you an example. There, there are kids that use denial very well. And denial is seen as a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. Sometimes you just don't want to think about something, and you want to live your childhood. And there are kids that if you leave them alone, you know, they, they, they dig themselves into their childhood, they enjoy their childhood, and they just don't think about the divorce a lot. There are kids that do that. And if you start coming home and hammering at them that daddy's not paying child support or that, you know, why is he with another woman or I am so lonely – you know, you're breaking down their denial, and that may be too much for them. On the other hand, there are kids that are very sensitive at, let's say, 10 years old, and they know that things are falling apart around them, and they need to know more about the truth. Well, those kids might really benefit from therapy, so they have a neutral person they can talk to about what they're going through and can help you and your ex-husband kind of really manage the situation in a way that keeps their innocence as uh, as strong as possible. Yeah, one thing about the money, and I'm glad you brought that one up, because mm-hmm. I, I remember a therapist once saying, you know, the kids really don't care they ha- where the money comes from. They just want to have the money to be able to go to, out, you know, with their friends, to be able to go to the movies, to do, it, to do their sports, whatever. So their issue with money is very... Is Totally different than it's the issue. It's very pragmatic. They're not into blame. The kids, if kids, in, kids just want their life to stay the same as much as possible. Yeah. They want to have the same friends. They want to have the same school. They want to know what their structure is. They want to know if they're going to go 
to daddy on X dates, it's always X dates. If they could be with mommy for X dates, it's always X dates. They want to know that things are just structured and that the parents are, you know, are, are managing things. So in, in the field of psychi- and psychology and psychiatry, there is something called the intergenerational boundary. Um, you probably studied it when you were in, you know, social work school. And, and it is a concept that there are two generations. There's a parent generation and a child generation. And they're different. And the, and the parents have a responsibility as on being on top of the intergenerational boundary to keep the innocence of the children as much as possible. You know, the world is crazy. They're going to they're gonna be exposed to a lot of stuff in this world. Let them have a childhood. And so my intelligent divorce project is really... It's complicated. I'm trying to give people, parents, the tools to keep their kids as innocent as possible under difficult circumstances. That's really what it's all about. Don't have your child become your confidant and don't elevate them to your level as well. Don't, don't have them be a confidant. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't triangle them against your ex. You know, if, you're gonna, if they need to know some truth about your ex that's not, not pleasant, make sure that it's going to be a constructive conversation and you're just not trying to score points. You know, I'll never, I, I, a good friend of mine had this experience. His father left him, left the family, not him, left the family. He wasn't paying child support. The father was, I think, psychiatrically impaired and um, didn't, wasn't paying child support. And this is not a good thing, uh, but it's just what it was. The mother um, told him that I'm not getting child support. Your father doesn't love you. Like he doesn't take care of us. And then the fa- and, and and plus he never calls. Okay. A couple years go by. One day, my friend, he must have been 16 years old, picks up the phone. It's his dad. Dad, it's been a long. I haven't heard from you in a long time. Why didn't you call? The father says, I call all the time. Your mother picks up and hangs up. She won't let me talk to you. This man has never had the same relationship with his mother since that call. His anger at his mother for poisoning his relationship with his dad, no matter how impaired his dad was, he, he, even I mean, this man is now in his 40s, he can't quite forgive her for having deprived him of a childhood with this father just because she was angry. And so these things really cost if you do it wrong. Unfortunately, that story is not unique. And I'm, that story, I, I, and I, I won't repeat it because I have a friend who had a similar experience with her father and didn't realize this till she was in her, I think she was in her 30s. Right. Had, yeah, the same kind that her mother had really been the one to keep right. separated from her father. Right, and you understand. So, so my intelligent divorce books and my online course, you know, um, the family stabilization course, are meant to educate this mother or that father about how to handle this more productively. Because if you do it right now, your kids will remember a good childhood. And if you do it wrong now, you can poison them for years to come just because it felt good in the moment to you. And, as you just pointed out, you could end up poisoning your relationship with your child. <laughs> Isn't, that's the irony of this. Yes. That, you know, you're so angry that you've been left or not funded or whatever it is, you know, you know you're so angry that you poison that relationship with the father and then you pay for it down the road. Well, this is like wisdom. I'm, I'm really like, wake up, people. 
Yeah. You know, parenting can be done, but children come first. Children come first, and, and uh, this brings us to your uh, the Children's Bill of Rights, because oh. you, yeah, um, and I think they kind of explain, I mean, that whole concept that the children come first. So okay. what are the Children's Bill of Rights? All right, so, so I thought carefully about, about what parent, if, if we have ten, like ten commandments of what they need to, people need to know, what are they? You know, what can you do? You know, in a nutshell, what, what what can you put on your refrigerator? You know, <laughs> to remind you of what your kids need from you. And I I write I call it the Your Children's Bill of Rights. If people want to see a copy of it, they can go onto my website at theintelligentdivorce.com www.theintelligentdivorce.com. Um, I have, um, uh, you know this, but the audience doesn't. Um, I hired actors to play roles. A part of my work is to teach people the, 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 the mistakes they're going to make before they make them. And so I have adult actors and children actors playing um, roles. And I have a wonderful video of 10 kids of different races and sizes and shapes and ages. And it's wonderful. Sitting on a couch in my office. Um, you know, just spouting off the Bill of Rights. So here they are, and let's discuss the 10 Bill of Rights. One, don't ask me to choose sides. Well, what's that about, Catherine? What, why are parents would even think about doing that? I, mean, I think that's kind of what we've been discussing in, in you know, a good part of the show. Don't ask me to choose, uh, you know, which is what this kind of this automatic response, you know. Why do parents do that, though? Why? why? I mean, it's, you know it's you, everyone knows intuitively that children are entitled to the love and attention of both parents. What? Why does one parent need to be like the victim and the other one is the bad guy? Well, what do you think? I mean, I think my and mine is a personal experience. I think if you are vulnerable and you're feeling like you need support, you want to get it. And this is pure. This is not cognitive. It's just purely emotional. You want it. You want to make sure that everybody understands that you're right. You're in the right. You did okay. the right so, thing. So, so yeah. this, is, this is very interesting. So the word fair, F-A-I-R, uh-huh. has to be discarded when it comes to divorce. I mean, things are not fair. <laughs> and, and if you sit and try to, I mean, you've lost 20 years of, of your life in a, a bad relationship. You know, how can he be happy and I'm not happy? Uh, how can she be, like, doing fine with the money that I made? You know, if you get preoccupied with fair, it gets back to the beginning of the show, you know, the, the past is the present is the future, too. You know, it's, life's not fair. You know, you have to kind of grieve what happened, recognize you have your life and your future and your children, and grab it. Um, but if people are preoccupied with fair, then they feel like victims. So there's always, in a, in a, in a divorce, a lever and a levee, right? Yeah. And, and, what's, and who's the lever? Catherine? Are you about my divorce? No, 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 not your divorce. Just a regular, in a regular divorce, there's always a lever, right? A person that says it's enough. The person that says I had enough, I'm leaving, for whatever reason. Right, for whatever reason, you know. I don't like you you anymore. You... Right, I, I, I'm, I'm not attracted to you anymore. You. I'm not happy anymore. I found yeah. somebody else. You know, um, you make me miserable. Um, yeah. You're so depressed. You're so depressing. You know, whatever it is. Then there's the levy, the person who's left. Now, the person who's left always carries more of a burden in divorce, right? Because they feel like they've been dumped on, and they feel alone, and they feel abandoned. So well, that but person, the one who is the levy can feel guilty about leaving. Um, 
the lead I was the I, I would say if I had to define my divorce and I would say that I was the person who left. You were the leaving. You, I you, was you the leaver. You leaver. You leaver. I mean the leaver. Yeah. <laughs> I was the person, yeah, who said it's we've had this is enough. Right. But so, at the same time, I still all the issues that you've discussed or that we've discussed still came up. Still wanted the children to be on my side, even you know all of those things. Um, we're still there, even though I was the person who was right. leaving. The lever tends to be a little better off because they're taking an active role. Yeah. Um, then they they tend to be you know active rather than passive. They they tend to be a little better off. They tend to feel more guilty. They tend to be angry. Um, they tend to feel um, uh, they want to justify what they did in the eyes of their children. The levy, the one who's left, is the one who feels dumped upon, and that person is angry and and easily feels like a victim. Um, and it's, this is called regression. You asked me earlier in the show what happens to parents. Well, they regress. Um, can, maybe, Catherine, you know, on, on a thumbnail, you could define what regression is to the audience. Well, regression, uh, Social Work 101, yeah. uh, when, one, when an individual has to confront, let's say, a crisis, which may be divorce, it could be any kind of a crisis, loss of job, whatever, and you emotionally have difficulty handling that situation, you will go back to the time, let's say, as a child, uh, you will regress back to when you handled those kinds of situations as a child because Beautiful. that's what so, you're comfortable with. So you get an A-plus on that. You know, Thank you. Regre- regression, and I put you on the spot, I know. We yeah. be angry. Don't, don't be angry with me, please. I, <laughs> um, the, I'm going to blame you, and I'm going to tell my kids. And I... <laughs> regression is when a person goes back to childlike functioning yeah. you know, because they're feeling stressed. And so... You know, you know, you're, you know, you have to act like an adult, but you feel like an angry child, and you feel like, you know, you know, you, you, you act, you know, more irrationally, and so you want to, you, you want to act like you feel like a victim, and you want your kids to know, and you want your kids to, to see how much you're suffering and what your ex just did to you, and it's terrible for them. So, don't ask me to choose sides. You see, need to see the face of a child looking straight at you and saying, "Stop it! Don't ask me to choose sides." I want to live my life and not have to choose. I want both parents, thank you. Number two, spare me the details of your legal proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that you don't have to say anything else. I don't think there's one kid <laughs> who wants really to hear about to that. know what goes on in court. You know, yeah. But they, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, you know, leave them alone. And when I'm laughing, I'm not laughing at anybody. <laughs> I, I use humor to put things in perspective so that you can wake up and do the right thing. And so you might be saying to yourself, oh, my God, I've made so many mistakes. I'm, I, I've, I've, I've hurt my children so badly. The answer is chill, just chill, okay? If you make less mistakes going forward, it really counts. Just chill. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone. I do. Catherine does. Everyone. The issue is to do better tomorrow than you did today, and the kids really appreciate it. Three, your child's Bill of Rights. Don't confide in me or lean on me. It's too much. So here's the mother, you know, it's late at night, right, and she's sitting in front of the TV, and, you know, she's depressed, and her her nine-year-old daughter is watching TV with her, and... She wants to go upstairs to her room, and before she goes to bed, she wants to, you know, text one of her friends on her little cell phone, which she, her mother, like, let her have, which is very nice of the mother, you know. 
<laughs> and 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 um, and she says to, the girl says to the mother, "I'm going to go upstairs because I want I want to text my friends." And 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 the mother says, "Can't you stay with me a little longer?" And she says, "I really want to go upstairs. Please, I'm really depressed today. You know, I don't have any dates." You know, I just, you know, I, no one's calling me. Blah, blah, blah. Don't confide in me or lean on me. It's too much. This mother is depressed. She should get help. She call a girlfriend. Call her mother. Call her father. Call her best friend. See a call therapist. Call a therapist. You know, don't lean on the kids. Number four. And, and you know what, doctor, that also backfires. And, I mean, I have a another friend who is who's, uh, actually her husband ended up marrying her best friend, had an affair, and they got married. And she's got uh, several kids, and she is still depressed after 10 or 15 years. And now her grown kids don't want to be with her because she's depressing, and it's much more interesting to be with her father and his new wife and their she's kids and little, and on. having fun and doing the stuff they like to do. Well, you know what this is, Catherine? This is unresolved grief. Yeah. You know, grief at the other end is acceptance and moving on with your life. Number four, because I know we have limited time. Give me privacy on the phone with my other parent. (laughs) Uh, You know, you'd be surprised how often a a mother or father will listen in on the conversation when, you know, your kid is on the phone with the other parent. They, They need to have their own time. And number five, which is connected, don't cross examine me afterwards. You know, what did Daddy say? What is Daddy doing? You know, you have to leave the kid alone. And particularly when these kids come back from, you know, their overnights with their mother or their father, and you want to know, is there a girl involved? Is it da-da-da-da? You want to know so much. She doesn't want to tell you. She's a kid. She, doesn't, she, wants, she wants a relationship with her father to be that relationship. She wants a relationship with you to be that relationship, and she doesn't want to have to tattle on anybody, right? Six, and this is very important for our particular time where the economy is just terrible. I am not your messenger. Why did I put that down, Catherine? I am not your messenger. You mean taking information, like tell yeah, Daddy that instance, we don't have in, enough money for next week, or yeah, tell, instance, this, you, the go-between kind of thing? Go-between. Like, like, yeah. like there are people living in each other. You know, the people sometimes are not getting divorced right now because the economy is so bad. They live in separate bedrooms, separate parts of the, of the house or apartment. And the kid is the person who's burdened with having to like, take messages back and forth to each parent. Or, or Daddy calls and wants to talk to Mommy about a... I don't know what, you know, what, you know, you know, what, what uh, about the dentist, right? And the mother says, I'm not talking to him, you know, she, and, 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 and she says to her little daughter, get on the phone with daddy. I'll tell you what to say. Do you think this has changed? And this is, I'm bringing it back to this social media thing, but now, doctor, you don't have to speak to anybody. You can just text them. You can IM them. I mean, it's like you don't have to, if let's, mommy isn't going to talk to daddy or, the kid doesn't want to be the go-between or the mother doesn't want the kid to talk to the father. All they have to do is text each other now. The mother or the father is never going to know. They're not, they, you can Facebook, you can Twitter. Mm. So this, doesn't this, that kind of change this, this opens up? This opens up great opportunity and it opens up great peril. 
Yeah. And we don't have time because we have so little time left to this to, to our to our to our show today. Yeah. But but you know um, another topic for us. Well, you know, I wrote uh, actually a chapter in a textbook called yeah. Deciphering Cyberspace, called Children in Cyberspace. That's why I spent a lot of time researching how kids. You know, it just happens to be a topic I have to be very interested in. Yeah. Um, and you know, the internet is extremely threatened, problematic because you can oftentimes inflame a relationship, you know, because um, the Internet can drive people crazy, but it can also be a very pragmatic way of getting information across. Let's go on. Seven, don't ever ask me to lie to one of my parents. So a girlfriend comes over, and he puts his hand on her shoulder, on, 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 on his 12-year-old girl's daughter's shoulder, and says, can we keep this a secret from Mommy? Okay, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. It's 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 asking me to choose sides. It's it's wrong. It's breaking the intergenerational boundary. Can you see how I'm presenting um, basic um, uh, principles that really help people make good decisions? Yeah, and I think this one is particularly important, though, because that really kind of t- it almost takes up all the other nine. I think. Yeah, but you know you what? S- this is easy. Yeah, don't have the girlfriend come over that day. This is really easy. Have the girlfriend come over tomorrow. You can't have everything the way you want it. I'm talking to Daddy right now. You can't have everything you want the way you want it. You can't have. But sometimes the girlfriend drops by unexpectedly because she wants to make herself known and she has her agenda and she wants to make. Then this girlfriend may be a problematic girlfriend if if your kids come first. If she's thinking about her own needs, you know, rather than your children's needs through a divorce, this is a woman that you want to have around your kids. I'd ask the man to think about that very carefully. He might need some therapy. Eight, I'm sorry if I'm strong about it, but I, the kids need protection. Just because we have our needs, just because you happen to like a girl, and, and, and wonderful, get some love, get some sex, enjoy it. But keep it private from your kids and make sure they're okay because they come first. They come first. Stop with the fair. Stop with the fair. We've got one they minute left, doctor. No guilt trips no matter what. Right? Yeah. And listen to me when I have something to say. And the last one is, don't spoil me, even if you do feel guilty. The non-custodial parent often tries to buy the kids off, and it just backfires. Children's Bill of Rights. We never seem to be able to get through the program. I have so many more things to say. Next time, <laughs> we have to have, I want to have you on the show. We have to have one topic. We're going to just stick with one topic. Well, I think this is very interesting. I think your, your, your audience learned a lot. Absolutely. You know, I, There's so much information. Yeah, we brought up a lot of stuff today. Um, so grandparents, parents, um, um, colleagues, it's called The Intelligent Divorce. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it, you know, you can get it um, through iTunes. You can get Dr. it Mark on Mark Vantek, IntelligentDivorce.com. We'll have him on again. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Hope you had a great morning. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.